Hello and welcome to another exciting and jam-packed episode of Modern Day Philosophers. I'm your host, I'm Danny Lobel. The episode is brought to you by... Imagine a world where no one ever went hungry. Where you didn't have to choose between clean air and clean water. And where bitter drunken comedians didn't have to work in small dark clubs to tell you how severely screwed up everything is. If that kind of world scares you the way it scares us, then we can help. We're StandUpRecords.com. We offer the finest in CDs, DVDs, and merchandise from the best stand-up comedians on Earth. So please give generously. And remember, together we can't save the world... Yeah, no, we can't. So you may as well just buy something funny. That's StandUpRecords.com. And there it is. Make sure you pick up one today. My guest on this week's episode is the very funny Jesse Beth Conweiler. We met a while back on a program. We'll talk about it. We get into everything. She's hysterical. She's a great filmmaker. She's, uh, well, why, why tell you everything before you hear it? Then you wouldn't need to listen, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. Why should I do that? Uh, I launched a second show for CBS on Play.it. It's kind of uh, following the same format as this show. It's Modern Day Philosophers, except instead of philosophy, we're talking about finance, something else I know nothing about. And I pitched it to the people at CBS, and they said yes, and I didn't want to tell you guys anything until it actually happened because, you know, so much of the time in my career, I found that I think things are going to happen and they don't happen. So why get everybody's hopes up for nothing? But it's out there now, so you can check it out. It's called The Mostly Bull Market on CBS's Play.it. So check that out and let me know what you think. It's very different than this show in that it's more like, you know, jokey and not as serious or deep because it's a different kind of show. And I like that it gives me the freedom to do something different. And now I have both sides of me on different podcasts. Jokey and and more serious and uh, it's good. I'm excited about it. I hope you guys like it. Let me know what you think. All right. Without further ado, oh, by the way, sorry, one one further ado. I am in Orlando for the Orlando Indie Comedy Festival. If you're hearing this when it comes out, it's Friday, October 2nd. I will be doing shows tomorrow night, Friday, October 3rd. If you go to the website, Orlando Indie Comedy Festival's website, it has all the information on that. And then I'll be in New Orleans at Hell Yeah Fest um, next week. So if you're here or if you're there, come and see me. I'd love to see you. Okay, for real this time, without further ado, my talk with the very funny Jesse Beth Conweiler. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. To modern day philosophers. Modern day philosophers. Having failed to pay attention in school, Danny Lobel, now older and wiser, will attempt to learn basic philosophy 101. Our young hero will be joined by today's top comedians, philosophers all their own. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Danny Lobel. Modern day philosophers. I'm sitting here in my living room. With Jesse Beth Conweiler. And I have like your dog saliva on the inside of my mouth. Like I feel like I would be locked up. Like I feel like I just had sex with your dogs. And I, it was not consensual on my part. That's what you think sex is? (laughs) (laughs) It was not kosher, Danny. And you just sat there and watched like all smugly too. You're like, that's just what they do. And I fucking, can I say fuck? Yeah. I fucking hate that. Uh, that I watched my dog make out with They just both like sexually assaulted me and I was like, eh, this is cute and fun and like I did not enjoy it. Look how little they care about you now. 
They get so hey, excited um, by people. Do you the- want to like get breakfast or something? Oh no, you have a they, meeting. They're over you. <laughs> It just like a, normal. It was a quick relationship. Are all your relationships like very yeah. quick? <laughs> I always want to get breakfast and they're like, no, I'm good. No, really? that's true. I, no, no, that's actually untrue. I got dumped recently because I uh, was wanted to go to Africa alone. And I was like, I want to go to Africa and film. And the guy I was dating was like, oh, I want to come. And I was like, oh, no, it's going to be like an adventure. Like, it's going to be like young, crazy Jewish girl in Africa kind of movie. Uh-huh. And then he was like, oh, I'm not no longer a fan. I am unsubscribing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a real thing that happened? Yeah. Are you going to Africa? No. <laughs> and I got dumped. <laughs> so you blew it for nothing? <laughs> no, I got to see. He was a schmuck. I don't want to be with that. What was the idea? It was like a sequel to Dude, Where's My Hutzpah? So it was like a Jew. And so it was like, I'm going to Africa. Like, I'm recovering from bulimia and I'm a rape survivor slash victim. And I'm going to go heal Africa. And then, you know, of course, like I get it. You know, I get my ass handed to me. But that's the conceit. So so this was like an idea that you had and you pitched it around and then. But just decided not to do uh, it. No, I'm there. It's a bidding war right now that's happening. People are bidding to send you to Africa. <laughs> Mel Brooks is like, I'll write you a check right now. Oh, really? Yeah, you know I met Mel Brooks I, before you did. Mel I Brooks. know we both we both met Mel. Okay, it's part of the rite of passage of L.A. You have to you have to meet with Mel Brooks. Did he tell you that you gave that he you gave him stomach indigestion, or was that just me? Just you. Okay. How did that go down? He's. He was like, well, he told me that he was going to have to, fi- he thought after meeting me, he was like, because we had been set up and he was like, oh, I was just going to fake like stomach indigestion after an hour <laughs> or after five minutes yeah. and ask you to leave me alone. And um, he was like, but you're all right. He said I was easy. Easy. <laughs> I don't think he knew what that meant. He's like, you're e-. actually, you know what? I think he did. He know. knows. <laughs> but I sat down in his office and I was like, and he goes. First of all, he's like, what the fuck are you wearing? But she was like a really cute onesie. But he's like, how the fuck did you get in my office? He's like, who are you? <laughs> What's his office like? i never been to his office. Oh, it's on like the Culver City lot. Like where it's cool. It's like where Tara Tara is from Gone with the Wind. I don't know. It's just in this fucking office. But it was like an What epi- kind of stuff is in his office? Did you did you? I notice? was like so fu- I was like so high on adrenaline. I mean, like I was there. But like... <laughs> But I just remember waiting outside for like, I had to wait for like an hour and he was on the phone. That was probably the best part. And he's like, what do you mean? Da, da, da. Like it was an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah. I was like, what is happening right now? But it's like, it's not like a huge office. I mean, it was really, it was really funny because he was like, what the hell are you doing here? And then I was like, I know a Jew that knows a Jew that said we would be like good together or whatever. And then he was kind of like, I mean, he gave me really good advice about, cause I was just making dude wears my chutzpah. Um, you, I feel are, you have this talent of like knowing which Jews to talk to. I never like I'm associated with the right Jews. What do you mean? Like, you know, the Jews that will hook you up with Mel Brooks. I know the Jews that are like, let's have a Torah study. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know those Jews too. <laughs> The Midrash. <laughs> it's, this new, it's this new movie. I always pitch to my rabbi. What do you mean? <laughs> rabbi, or, rabbi Mordechai Finley. Do you know him? No. So he has like the celebrity temple like on the west side that's like, it's like reconstructionist or whatever. Are they but a that's celebrities where Nat- or like Caesar? Natalie Portman goes The real there. celebrities. 
I went there when I was doing my research for just becoming Jewish and I went there and I remember like, yeah, it was all these fucking famous people. The only person I remember is Natalie Portman because I sat next to her. Ooh. True story. A week later, I'm at the Pasadena flea market. Who do I see? Natalie Portman? NP. No way. With her hu- husband, who's like this amazing French hot guy. And she's like super tiny, bitch. And I was with my friends. I'm like, I just fucking sat next to the temple with Natalie Portman. And they're, I was like, I have to say something. They're like, no, don't say anything. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm like, Natalie. And then I'm like, literally my mother. And I'm like, Natalie, I was, I sat next to you at Temple <laughs> last week. And she just looked at uh, me. Yeah. I don't even That's think she gave Natalie me that Portman. much. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I know it like blows my mind. She's a Jew. But she literally ran away from me. So Adorable. So she was just, this is not the high holidays or anything. She just goes to Temple on the regular. No, she's like super religious. But Mordecai Finley is like one of these like – I mean he is like worshipped in LA. He's like this guru rabbi. He's very smart. But I met with him and he was like, how's this whole uh, cute cute thing working out for you? And I was the like, rabbi said what? That to you? And he's like, you know, this whole like you have chutzpah. And uh, I just want to let you know that you're getting older and uh, – I see through you and like that shit's not really going to cut it anymore. <laughs> what? That really happened? And then he was like, you know, what could really help you is like joining the temple. <laughs> he pitched you on the temple? Well, I was pitching him on my, I was pitching him for my web series, but yeah, I mean, it was like, I, I will now, I'll never forget it, but you know what? I, Did you I join? owe him. No, fuck no. It's on the West side. But I was like, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate when people are like, you think you're I, I appreciate a good talking down. Yeah, why you know? is that? I, I noticed that about you. Why? Why? But, because you would do because that's the basis of our friendship. Yeah. Is you telling me I'm not good enough? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I was like, I know how to be friends with her. <laughs> See, but why does everybody always say that? Like I feel like all my closest friends are really mean to me because they're like I'm not really mean to you. Let's be no, honest. No, 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 no. But you are in a way that a man talks to a woman. Oh, okay. In that way, yeah. In, <laughs> in that you constantly give me advice that I don't ask for. Like what? I mean, I'm just saying like men do this to me in general. Like Mordecai Finley. I'm not asking him like. Don't bring it back to Mordecai (laughs) Finley. What did I do? I'm saying like people will always give me advice that I'm not really asking for. And I feel like that's the thing that men do in order to make women and to prove themselves useful. I do that to you. I do that to you. All the time. Like what? What did I ever say to you? Um, I mean, you. Anyway, so what's the next philosopher? <laughs> anyway, Nietzsche. Nietzsche. My listeners, I mean, I don't think they know who you are yet. Your so listeners are your listeners are like my mom. That's who's listening to this yeah. right now. And she already knows about my web series. All right. So forget it. Don't tell them. No, no, no. Feel free to intro me. Go ahead. So I met Jesse on a program that I've actually advertised for on here, Tent. It's like the worst name ever. Jewish uh, Jewish art people get together, right? Like that's what it is? Yeah. And I met Danny... Because and then I looked. Danny and I were in a room full of like 25, 23 year old like Yale graduates, like you know groundlings, like breaded for comedy. These Jewish kids, and mm-hmm. like Danny and I are by far the oldest people in the room. And I just looked at Danny the first day, and I was like, "Hey, let's just like try not to hate this." <laughs> Remember, I yeah, was like, "Let's yeah. just try to enjoy," it. because I knew, I knew from the moment I met Danny, I was like, "This is the person that I'm gonna connect with because we're both gonna hate the world and like make fun of everybody all week." But I was like, "Let's try mm-hmm. to be positive about this experience." That's right, and like do and, improv. And I wound up loving it. Did you love it, or 
I can't tell if you loved it or not. No, I loved it. Yeah, yeah it was great. I loved it. I mean, it was just like free food and stuff. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. But I wasn't bulimic anymore at that point, so I couldn't really fully enjoy it. Really? Oh, wait. Yes, I was. You were? <laughs> yeah. You were bulimic back then? Because we're going to talk about the bulimia, but... Yeah. Um, so... And then it was really good. I mean... It was it was such a, it was a really great experience. So so let's talk a bit a little bit. Let's yeah, let's talk about me. So okay, so this guy. So you you're with a guy for how long before you pitched Africa? Um, we were together for like four months, which is like four years for me. That's a long relationship. That's, re- that's like hardcore commitment. Can um, I can I ask you like the tough questions? Like why do you think your relationships are so short? Um, I mean, why do you think that I have such a lack of relationships too, I guess would be a better question. Okay. Um, cause better. I've been dealing with that lately. I had, I was like calling, I, I was talking to my friend the other day. I'm just like bawling. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Like, what am I doing wrong? Like I had a show and it was like, everyone was like, oh my God, good job. Like you were funny. I mean, it was like, I was all right, but it was like, oh, good job. And then like two hours later, I'm just like deep throating yogurt in my underwear alone and i'm like why am i alone like why so why what have you figured out well what do you think and then i'll tell you the right answer i'm afraid to tell you anything anymore oh my god oh my god no no no, no. advice no 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 give me advice be honest come on don't be a pussy (laughs) maybe that's why i can handle it yeah that i don't maybe you intimidate people you do you don't i do intimidate people i think i intimidate i don't know i hate saying that i hate when people i hate hearing when people say that but i think for me like it's just really cliche but like i'm super fucking focused on my career right now and like i'm a 30 year old woman and um that's like my main focus and every time i get with a guy i feel like i inevitably like shrink and um, I get, I'm attracted to guys that are like depressed or alcoholic or married. And that's something I'm really working on. Um, but also like, then I'll go out with a guy that's like nice that like is grandpa approved and it's like, I can't get wet and I want both, you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess that's maybe the reason why. why, why, what don't you like about the nice guy? I mean, I really, I just want, I want to be with somebody that's like really super passionate and as passionate as I am, like with the Africa guy, I never want to have to apologize for being like not being able to have brunch on a Tuesday. Like, you fuck think, you. Do I you think you do purposely that. sabotaged the Africa guy by throwing this Africa idea out? Like, you know what? I'm getting rid of this guy right now. I'm going to Africa. You can't come. Wait, Let's no, see no, no, no. I didn't say I'm going to, I'm moving to Africa. You're not right. bad. It's like, I'm going to Africa for a couple weeks I'm, on a project. If a guy I was with was like, hey, I'm doing this. Um, but I would this be- is really what broke it up, honestly? Or was this like Jesse comedy talk? You're smiling. Like, what? what is, what, is that really what ended it? You said, I'm going to Africa. He's like, I'm out. Uh, well, I guess maybe a big reason why it ended is I felt a little bit like he was like a little, because he wasn't in the industry, but he was like, then I kind of found out like he was kind of trying to do this web series thing. Mm-hmm. And like, I could kind of feel like, it's like, I want to be the person that like uses somebody in a relationship. Don't use me. I have no connections. <laughs> I have nothing to give you. My agent doesn't return my calls. You think he's going to call you? Yeah. So that felt a little bit. And I think that's a very specific like LA. So industry. you felt you were being used by him ultimately. Yeah. But I mean, I had nothing to give, you know, so <laughs> it wasn't really working out. But I don't know. He If he heard that, he would be like, you're crazy. I have nothing, you know, 
whatever. But, um, and also I felt like he was kind of just a little, he was manipulative in that, like, he was always kind of tearing me down. Like, when I told him about Africa, he wasn't like, oh my God, that's amazing. He was like, oh, I want to come. And then he would be like, but why would you do that? That's not going to help your career. Like, you should do this or like, mm. you should be this. So he was doing the thing you accused me of doing, giving you unsolicited advice. Yeah. But maybe I ask for it. I don't know. I like yell at people for talking about my body. And then I'm like, I ask everybody if they think I have a good body. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm far from like fucking perfect. The funniest thing to me is like, all right, so I called, I'm, I'm tell, talking to the audience now. I called Jesse up. I'm like, come do the podcast. She's like, why do you want me? I'm like, you asked. She's like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I didn't ask. Yeah, you did. No, you asked I didn't. several times. You're, You're like, in a dream. Yeah, right. But I mean, You're of course, I, I, I'm not, that's not obviously the only reason a lot of people ask. That's not the only reason why I had you on. I love your stuff. You're very, very talented. You're my friend. You're funny. But, but I, I think it was so funny. You're like, why would you even want to have me on? Like, oh yeah, that's right. I did ask. <laughs> yeah, that speaks to me mm-hmm. and my insecurity. It's like, well, what, what do I have to say? Have you always been insecure? Cause I've been insecure. I feel much more secure these days, but I, I've been I think in- security is overrated. Really? I just feel like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like, here's a perfect example of like life, I think. I was at this party the other night and I was talking to a girlfriend and she's like, and I'm getting rid of this thing and I'm doing this and I'm working with this spiritual person. And I was like, well, I'm doing this thing and I'm no longer bulimic and da da da. And we were like talking about all these things and she's like, oh, and then I'm going to this thing for like love, like working on my love addictions, my sex addictions and da da da, all this mm-hmm. stuff. Meanwhile, there is an entire party going on and like I am sitting there talking about self-improvement and how I want to be better and da da da. So what's it's wrong like, with that? I'd rather fucking be at the party and show up at the party imperfectly and like every day I pray every morning and I pray on my knees. I do. And when I pray, I'm like just like life on life's terms. Let me just show up imperfectly. I don't – I spent my whole life trying to be the better version of myself and while I do think there's merit in trying to – trying, trying – period, I think it can get very dangerous and like it can rob you of actually living your life, you know, imperfectly because who the fuck is, show me a perfect person. Mm -hmm. All right, fine. So now I'm, I'm thinking like, I really don't even know about your life very much. All I know about you is we spent a week together where we became well, friends. Well, tell people who the fuck I am, apparently. Okay. All the white men that don't know who I am that are listening. All right. That have probably already turned it off. So I, I met you at Tent and we became friends very quickly for a week. And uh, you do all these cool films, and you did the the chutzpah film you were talking about. You did a web series about finding your. How would you explain it? Go yeah, ahead. so I got a grant um, a couple years ago from the Jewish Federation. The right kind of Jews. <laughs> the Jews that give you money to make art. Yeah, but it was the worst. Th- I'm Jewish, so I got something, and it was a, the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. No, they it's gave the me- best thing that could ever happen. I don't know how you meet these Jews. This Natalie Portman hanging out with the celebrities. <laughs> and Natalie Portman's running away from me. What are you talking about? People, We're not, like people in the mikvah like, together. Jesse, uh, you know, we'd love you to do a Jewish project and make a film. And they're like, Danny, we'd love you to make a minion. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, don't know. know. I pa I paid. I I feel like I paid in L. A. for like five years. I've shoveled shit. I've cleaned up child puke. I've so, paid my fucking so, dues. No one said you didn't. I'm not. I'm not here like I'm not there's I don't know anybody in this industry you know like I'm I, saying you know the Jews that all those Jew haters think that run Hollywood you know them yeah I do know them <laughs> but they actually hate me too after I made Dude Wars My Chutzpah because I would go to these things and be like here's what I made I went to Palestine and they're like there's no such thing as Palestine <laughs> 
So, um, okay. So I got this grant from the Jewish Federation and they were, it was a very, yeah, it was like, they didn't, they didn't do this grant again, but it was amazing. They were like, here's this amount of money. You can make anything you want. It just has to be about being Jewish. And I was like, I know about bagels and like blowing Israeli soldiers on birthright. So you really didn't grow up with anything Jewish? Reform Judaism. I got a bat mitzvah. I went through the motions, but Judaism was always an obligation. It was like, and I was, I'm from Georgia and like, there are a lot of Jews there, but it was a very like, I just have memories of like, like people throwing pennies at me and me like being the first one to laugh, you know, like I would just, it was just not anything to be proud of. Like throwing pennies at you because you're a Jew? Yeah. Really? But they were like my friends. Okay. Well, maybe not. I'm looking back on it. <laughs> the same friends that like always put you down. Hey, yeah. Jew. Here's some that's fun. so true. Yeah. Oh my God. That's that's crazy. I gotta tell my therapist about that connection. Good job. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, I just so, saved you two unnecessary visits to jump to that. So I was like, so I was like, okay, like how if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna fucking do this really authentically because I was like, I'll just do Bagels the musical and like shoot. I'm used mm-hmm. to like just being scrappy and shooting stuff, gorilla. Wait, and, like, whoa, 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 back up. So you, I want to know more about growing up in Georgia. I never really talk about my childhood. I mean, no, I mean. I mean, I grew up in Atlanta and I grew up in Dun. It, it was actually Dunwoody, Georgia. So it was like the suburbs. Mm-hmm. I like to pretend I'm from like outcast, like ATL. I was like conceived during Freaknik, but, but I do love black people <laughs> and you... I miss black people living in California. Yeah. It's not as diverse. And I think people think the South is like racist as shit and whatever and I'm not it's not a perfect place but growing up in Georgia uh the south is like feels very integrated and like spiritual and old and there's a lot of history and a lot of pride and um a lot of beautiful things and I it was great it was, and you know you mentioned to me once that you have a sister you're like she's the perfect one she does everything yeah, right yeah she's like me but nice and she's beautiful, and she's she's awesome, fucking bitch. And <laughs> and and is that it? Do you have brothers too, or what? No, I just have Lindsay, an older sister, and my cat Freddie. And um, I've got two parents. They're still married. Yeah, and they have a good marriage. They have a really good marriage. I mean, it's fucking crazy. But the more, I mean, they've been they've been together since they were nineteen, and um. My dad's a professor. My mom's a like a consultant, and they both they work in the same field, so they've like written books together. They're and, smart academic type, but they're like totally opposite. Like they're totally introvert. My mom's a complete extrovert. Like is on like she's like Tinkerbell on speed. Like will talk to anybody. Just <laughs> like, like that. that's where I get like my hyperness from. Uh-huh. And my dad's very fucking mellow, and he's like Larry David. Like he hates everybody, but everybody <laughs> likes him. But he hates the world. Okay. And he's really funny. And um, we're a very close family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so nervous to say anything about my parents. I've just been putting them like through the shit with this new show I'm doing. But um, What's the new show? The new show about bulimia that I'm doing. My new show. And your parents are show. in it? Well, I mean, I always have like, it's like characters based on my family. And, you know, it's like heightened, you know. Like kind of the Larry David method. He plays himself and all that kind of stuff. How are they about it? Are they happy about it or what? They're, I mean, it's like a process, but they're really, they're really cool about it. Cause they, I mean, it's kind of their fault because they were always like insanely supportive Jewish parents. So they would always like put me in activities and shit and like express myself and like, what are your feelings? Like, here's the feelings chart, mm-hmm. you know, your masturbate, your body's beautiful. You know, it's like they were so supportive. Your parents told you to masturbate? My mom was always like, it's very healthy to touch yourself. 
What age did she tell you that? Like before my ears were fully developed. That's probably. hilarious. <laughs> but we also like fought a lot. You know, there was like fighting in our family too. And I think for me as Jews, like I just, I never thought it was weird. Like I remember one of my Goyam boyfriends came over and like in high school and he was over for family dinner and like after dinner he, and you know, and everyone's like, ah! and he's like, so are your parents like, when are they getting a divorce? And I was like, no, that's just how we talk to each other. You know, <laughs> maybe I was a little embarrassed about it, but it was like, to me, it just seems very normal to just, you know, be honest. And we also like always really like laughed a lot as a family at like, we had like, you know, like every family deals with hard shit and drama and all that stuff. But I remember like we would always do like imitations of like other family members and like make fun of people <laughs> and like, I just... Who do you do the best? Um, well, I do... Uh, I do my grandma... My my grandma really good. She talks like this. <laughs> so we always do my grandma for my niece. We're always like... She's from Chicago. And she's like, you know, would you like some angel hair um, pasta? So we'll like all break in. So like, because I'm like, we keep my grandma alive that way. <laughs> oh, you do it in front of her. No, yeah, we go to her grave and talk to her as if, no, oh, okay. no, 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 we do it to my niece because my niece was conceived, um, oh, oops, <laughs> sorry, my, okay. sorry, Lens. my niece was conceived though, like a week after my grandma died. It's so funny, I thought this was like keeping her alive, like life was so bad that she, you know what's worth living for when they do impressions Jesse's of imitation. <laughs> I wonder though what my grandma would think, it's like, yeah. Here's my movie about rape. Now here's bulimia. So, 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 yeah. So I knew you from Tent. I knew you from Rape. And I knew you from this bulimia. Explain the rape. I'm getting to it. But I'm saying, like, these are the little pieces of your life that I know. I know a week of being friends. I know that you were at some point possibly raped. Then there was a movie about it, right? Or a a, a short film about A week of being friends that was finalized by me drinking a glass of champagne at the comedy store and you just looking at me and saying, that's the saddest thing I've ever seen because I ordered like champagne for one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think the less I talk to you, the more successful my career gets. That is my theory. (laughs) That's what I said. It's true. Yeah. So let's not let me sell the script and we'll just like not talk for a month. That'd okay, be great. You went to Thailand and got raped. Vietnam. Vietnam. Mm-hmm. For stu- my study abroad. You didn't want to get raped in Thailand. <laughs> no, I wanted to mix it up. Okay, all right. get a little crazy. I mean, if I was your <laughs> rape travel agent, I would have said Thailand's <laughs> the way to go. So then you made a film. No, about because that. then I could get that joke that you gave me that I use all the time and never give you credit for. Vietnam was my Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good. And then I have to tell the crowd that's funny and that I, I, it, I'm okay and, like, you can laugh and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but you gave me that joke. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> I forgot that I even gave it. It was worth it. Like, that's why I'm still friends with you, just, like, to pay my debt. Every now and then shit. I'll give you a good line so it's worth your, you bombing your I'm career. I'm like, all right, fine. We'll have a Danish. Yeah. So, so I know about that. And then I know, I'm like, oh, boy. First I meet this girl, Jessie. She's this upbeat girl. She's full of fun and laughter on, on Tent. Then uh, after Tent, it's like, oh, by the way, I was raped. I'm making a film about it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you know, well, that's a shame that she was raped. Oh, by the way, I also bulimic. <laughs> 
I feel like it, <laughs> there's just going to be like a million. <laughs> but Af- like, after bulimia, it's just I like, know. I am These aren't my out. real eyes. These are glass <laughs> eyes. I just, no, I got to get a divorce. I'm freaking out. I got to get a boyfriend so I get married so I can get divorced. Yeah, you're running out of bad shit. No, I mean, I, I, but I think that that's part of it is like, yeah, I mean, like, but we're all very complex people. And I have really, I have had some shit that's happened to me or with the bulimia, I've had some shit that I've done. But I just feel, I feel like a very, a pretty like happy person gen- in general. And I feel like the more... The, the more that I repress those things and try to hide them and try to only just be funny, happy Jesse all the time. Like, sorry, I, I know that referring to myself, the third person is douchey, but like the more that I try to just be that person, I'm just miserable and I'm depressed. Yeah. Because you're not dealing with anything. Yeah. yeah. So I think it may, it makes people uncomfortable and like, what happened the other day, you know, since I've come out, you know, I can tell you a million of the rape stories and a million of the bulimia stories, but just people will be like, oh my God, like, I'm so sorry. Like, are you okay? Did the rape lead to the bulimia? No, the bulimia, um, I mean, I started with the bulimia when I was about 16, which was so weird because I was like, like I said, like I was a happy kid and it was like, I was the last to know I was bulimic. That's why it took me so long because I wasn't, princess diana or like a skinny ballerina i i didn't think that i i was like well if i haven't eaten it's like i was so embarrassed because i was like and i was never really skinny so it's like god like i'm bulimic but i'm not even like good enough to have an eating disorder you know and like once once i get really skinny then maybe i could like claim it but i just was so i was so um in denial it was very easy for me to be in denial though because i was like i'm a feminist i'm not i'm not i'm fine how lame is it to have an eating disorder it's so embarrassing well, I don't know. I have one. <laughs> no, I mean now. Everybody oh, has oh one. now, yeah. But I, in the back in the day, I'm like, God, like I, I had friends that were like heroin addicts. I'm like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can, that I can, le- that's legitimate. That is a legitimate addiction. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. But mine is just like, food's not illegal. Like, it's just food. Like, why can't I just fucking get a handle on it? I used to have a joke about how, like, I was eating so much pizza. But everyone's like, oh, he's just, you know, he's just a fat guy. I'm like, but no, you don't understand. It's my cocaine. Like, if I was just replacing the pizza with Coke, yeah. people would be like, this guy's a rock star. I'm the Keith Richards of pizza. So, so that was so, the, you know, that was the joke back then. And what it is about, like... Thanks what- for not even seeing it through <laughs> to the punchline. <laughs> you're like, you're just like ready and I'm like waiting for the laugh. <laughs> God, Danny, do you do stand up? It's just like... Uh-huh. I just hate when comedians like go on podcasts and like talk about jokes they do on stage. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Should we call it a wrap then? Like, I'm just honestly over it. And but, audience, but, but I'm, but I, audience, tell me if, if you think that I am like, mom, if you think that I'm wrong, I just like hate when I listen to comedians and they're like, I do this joke. It's like, shut the fuck up. I did that joke. I, I don't know, do but it like, anymore. If I'm, I'm, a using, fan, I'm, ref- okay. I'm referencing old stuff because refer- it refers you're, to you're what you're talking about. You're quoting yourself. It's like you're quoting But I'm, I'm pointing it out because I'm trying to make a point. I'm trying, trying to say. You're trying to connect with me. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying. You have an eating disorder. Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I will co-sign on that shit. All right. <laughs> Sorry. So tell me about your bulimia. <laughs> Wait, now you made me lose my train of thought. Oh, okay. But like the, the thing that sucks about eating disorders is that unless you're like 
on your deathbed, like, and people die of anorexia and obesity every day, but unless you're on those, you know, there's a spectrum. So unless you're on the huge major extremes of getting hospitalized and all that stuff, and, you know, God forbid, but for me, I was, that was never my story. I mean, I had had some health scares in relationship to my eating disorder, but it was never, I had to literally call my own intervention. I had to call the cops up myself. And that's why I think it took so long. And that's what's, that's what it is about food is going, wait a minute. I have a problem. I'm insane. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I was 27. I was like driving home from this artist thing at retreat. And like, I was with my friend and I was like, Oh my God, like I had bulimia and now I don't anymore. And I've recovered. And she's like, you're amazing. And I was like, I know, like I'm amazing. And I told this complete, amazing three act structure story. Mm-hmm. Complete with like me being the hero and everything. And, and then I walked to my house. She dropped me off my house. I walked to my house. I ate everything in my kitchen and puked it up. I mean, that's insane. So wait a minute. Your whole life, for since you were a kid, you just eat and vomit. I mean, it, not not every single meal, not every single day. I went through phases. My eating disorder took a, like so many different... Like I really want to know, like when do you remember it first happening? When I was 16, um, I was at a girlfriend's house and she was, uh, you know, I was from the South. So a lot of my friends were like debutante, Southern Belle type of girls. And one of my girlfriends, we caught her throwing up and we talked to her and we were like, um, don't do this to yourself. This is horrible. I remember writing a post-it note and putting it on her toilet and being like, don't do this. And I don't remember consciously being like, wait a minute, I'm going to do that now. I just remember I would, you know, I, I just remember like starting to throw up and being like, this is awesome. This You're trying feels, to fit in with the debutantes. This feels awesome. But it wasn't about, I was so skinny back then. It wasn't even about weight in high school at all. It, I mean, of course, like I hated my body and I had those issues, but like, man, I look back pictures now. I'm just like, man, I was so fucking, what the fuck was I bitching about? It's crazy. And that's what shows you. It's just a mental thing. But I just, it was a way for me to like, unplug with the food I would go in my life I would be happy I'd be on I'd be whatever and then I'd either go to get fast food or I'd go to the grocery store and I'd sneak all this food in my backpack I'd stuff fucking hot pockets in my bra I'd stuff Nutri-Green bars in my underwear and I would just walk up the, I would tiptoe past my dad mom and my sister I'd walk up the stairs I have my own room and I would just binge and purge you know once twice three times and that's how it really started once twice three, three times, times bulimic <laughs> i know you try to make these jokes sometimes and they're not really that funny oh okay i'm sorry no but that's okay i mean you're a comedian that's what you do but uh-huh. it, but we i just had different comedy well it's like i don't know it's just so personal it's like i i don't know it's just too hard for you no because i'm making a show about a bulimic comedy right now i mean i do stand up about so bulimia, only you're but- allowed to do bulimic humor this is your n-word that's not what I'm saying. I just, I'm just trying to be honest with you. Like you're, when you just said that, I yeah. was like, eh, cause it's Why? not that funny. Uh-huh. Like maybe if you were like the Vietnam is my Vietnam is uh-huh. so fucking funny. So my humor is only good when you like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Your humor is only worthy when I say so. Okay. What about the sh- get over your shit pills? That was a good line. I Brilliant. I let you use it. Brilliant. So another pe- good line. So two. So you're two for. <laughs> what about the champagne line? You said that was pretty funny. So three. Is this gonna be the rest? I'm of the just punch? saying everything except when I bring up like sensitive stuff. Like 
No, it's no, it's not sensitive stuff. It's just stuff that's not. I don't know. I Fine. Think, it's, I think, it's like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hate on you. You can do whatever you want. But like, I remember but, with but, the rape jokes, everyone was like, "Do you think Tosh? What do you think about?" the rape, the jokes that he made. And it's like the jokes that Tosh made about rape versus the jokes that Louis, Louis did a whole episode on raping Pamela. And it's like, that was fucking hilarious because it was so well done. It was so good. The Tosh joke saying, get raped to death. I mean, that's not funny. So, you know, Mm -hmm. but Louis, I completely think that's awesome. Why are we talking about Louis and Tosh? This was about me. What do we, (laughs) (laughs) well, we're talking about rape. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, the the eating disorder, I mean. So if I wanted to make an eating disorder joke, I'd have to get Louis artsy about it for you to be. No, you would have to get you about it. You would have to get real and you about it. You just, you want it to be a serious piece of art joke statement. No, I don't. Fuck art. I want it to be real. Once, twice, three times bulimic was as real as it gets. I just didn't find it funny. In the comments, (laughs) mom. In the comments, if you think this is funny, <laughs> does your mom listen to everything? Let me you know. Do? Yeah, of course. Really? My mom read an article from the Israeli Times and was like, "There's some proofreading errors. Do you want me to correct them?" <laughs> like after it was published in the Times of Israel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send it in. Maybe they'll rerun it. Let Netanyahu know. <laughs> yeah. It's so it out. sounds like she's pretty proud of you. Yeah, she's great. She's very, she's great. But it's like, I think the it's, it's gotta be hard for her. It's hard for me. It's like having her daughter come out with all these issues and especially mm-hmm. with the bulimia, it's like they had no idea. Did they, they know about no, the rape? They knew about the rape, but it's very different to get raped and tell your parents and then to make a film about your rape for the world to see, you know? So I could never really, I never really expected the rape, my rape to blow up like that. Nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> remember i was but you were very supportive i was like i want to make a film about because the basically the rape story was i i'd gotten raped in my study abroad in vietnam when i was like 20 and i was like i'm over it i'm like fine mm-hmm. i'm good not i'm whatever i'm happy and then um i was dancing at this douchey bar in new york and this guy slapped me on the ass and i was wasted and i was like that really reminds me of the time like when you slapped me on the ass it reminds me of the time i got raped mm-hmm I mean, I think that's funny. Okay. You know, I just don't think it's that funny. I- <laughs> Fuck you, Danny. <laughs> Do you think the rape is still haunting your relationships? I My therapist is like, you can't blame all your guy troubles on your rape. So they didn't, yes. Um, no, I mean, I think, I think it's like, it's just always going to be with me. It's always going to be a part of me, but I don't know. I don't think that has to do with like why I can't get a boyfriend. I, I really don't. You don't think it has to do with your distrust of men? Um, I don't have a distrust of men. Yes, you do. I have a distrust of the men I've been with that have fucked me over, but I don't have like an... I love men. You thought this guy was using you for a career. Because he was. Maybe you just didn't trust we got him. It. Should we call him? Oh, no, no, I blocked his number. I'm not calling him. <laughs> Maybe there's like some part of you that's like searching for this rapist, like for real though. Like you said, like you can't, you're not into nice guys. Nice guys wouldn't be rapists. You're looking. You're into guys who you can't trust. No, but I'm actively trying to change that. And I. That's every girl in their twenties is like, I like guys that are bad for me, and I'm trying to like nice guys. And like, this is every. So you're single just girl like everybody else. Yes. Okay. My problems are not special at okay. all. Okay. But I. I don't know. I think people. 
everyone has like freaky shit and like I just talk about mine. Mm-hmm. I don't really feel embarrassed about it. I feel like Is there anything else that like after bulimia and rape? Well, I have like OCD and like anxiety, like a lot of anxiety, but that's just like everybody, you know. That's film worthy. Yeah. I have like unwanted thoughts and panic attacks and all that shit. Okay. But um yeah, I wanted to tell you about my bulimia though, as somebody that maybe you can get some pointers. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm serious. See, was I'm... that not funny? Yeah, it was funny. I'm listening. Was that offensive? No. Because you've told me I've offended you before with weight stuff. You have. Doing what? Being an asshole. More, okay, more what like. have I said? Tell me. Um, I really want to know. Um, I know. You just, when I first met you, were like taking a lot of jabs at me for like, being heavy. I, 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 I find that I'm baffled by that. I'm, I'm mortified that I did that. Mm. I'm so, I, I'm not even saying that because we're being recorded. Wait, don't turn it off. Oh. Okay. I'll. <laughs> Hashtag compassion. Okay. I'm so sorry. All right. <laughs> I didn't even care until I was like, wait a minute. She's going for sympathy for an eating disorder. <laughs> I was like, that's not fair. That's horrible, Danny. I, I'm sure I was just trying to fucking, I don't know, man. I was just trying to get you to laugh or like me or something. I it came from my own shit. I mean, I'm so sorry. Okay. That's horrible. You're forgiven. I'm a horrible person. I forgive I'm you a long worst. time ago. Okay. For that. Um, but so, yeah, so the, the, there was like the binging and purging with bulimia. And then there's also like, I spent an entire summer just eating breath mints. I went on diet pills when I was in Vietnam. Um, I just took laxatives and in, there was periods in between where I was like, so-called like, well, not never normal, but like where I wouldn't, it wouldn't be that extreme, mm-hmm. but it would always be about, I had no sense. I had no spiritual life. I had no inner life. Mm-hmm. I had no concept of like anything greater than myself. So it was always just like I prayed to the God of like fat or thin. So I woke up in the morning and my first thought in the morning was like, what did I eat last night? And that determined whether I was like a, it was a good day or a bad day. I mean, I used to really more than anything use men as a diet pill because if I was like with you, sleeping with you, then I wasn't going to go home and like eat, you know? I mean, it was very – you know, I really, really, truly believe that, like, when I had, if I had a flat stomach, like, all, like, my life would be better. Like, so you're just filling the void, either with sex or with food, whatever it was. Yeah. But yeah. where does the void come from? Being a human. Come on. Being a Jew, being sensitive. That's not true. What, what, what do you think the void is? Well, I mean, I think now we're getting like really therapy, but I think that when I was a little girl, I got the story and the message somehow that there was something super, super duper wrong with me and that I wasn't, that I was crazy um, because either I didn't feel safe or whatever and something wasn't being given or I wasn't communicating or whatever. I got this idea that something was wrong with me. From where? I, I mean, I, I think part of it's genetics. I think it's surroundings. I think it's person, my personality. I'm extremely sensitive. Um, and I just think I always thought there was something wrong with me and that I could I always needed to be better and um, like I said, like suppress a version of myself. So the bulimia really helped me like literally fill that void and give me I mean it's all about control. That's all for me addiction really is. It's like how do I get false control over my life? Um, and that is like terrifying to realize that it's not about that and this is like really as good as it gets. Did you tap into something spiritual when you did dude where's my chutzpah? Hell no. I was so bulimic in Israel. I was like standing on like Masada and like the holies. I was like at the wall like, oh my God, I seriously was in the old city of Jerusalem and like was like puking hummus. 
It's not a nice visual. Sorry, but no, no. Truth. I but like it. I like it, the it doesn't Go mean on. that my it doesn't mean that the whole dude wears my chutzpah was a lie. I mean, I was definitely. I've always felt like a spirituality and just like the human condition, and that's why I love making films. I'm, I never was thinking it was a lie. I'm just curious because you said you never had the spirituality, and then recently when we've talked, you've you started telling me, and then you're like, I'll save it for the show. Do you remember that? <laughs> Like, I've been feeling this spiritual kind of... I wanted uh, to let you know the meaning of life. I will save it for the podcast. Yeah, what's the meaning no, of life, No, I don't Jessie? know. I just I just know that, like, since I've started doing shit like praying and, like, meditating, um, it's really helped me just calm the fuck down and realize, like, I'm not... I really do believe, like, I'm a vessel. Um, I'm a Jewish... I'm a Jewy vessel. And, like, all everything that I'm doing is just part of, like, a greater a greater plan and like when I feel the most myself it's when I have purpose when I feel like I have purpose and I'm doing a purpose and I'm doing my work and I'm speaking my truth which you know whatever all my work's about me it's comes from a personal place but it's not I'm not doing this like so that I can like look hot or sexy or be cool I'm doing this because I think it's important I think we need to talk about eating disorders I'm motivated yes because of my own experience but you know I when I was fucking puking alone, I would want to. I would want to watch a show about somebody that looked like me, that was like like going through that same struggle too. And I feel like that's a very Jewish thing. Mm-hmm. Like Abraham was like, "What? Okay, so there's like people, and they're like worshiping idols. Like, you know what? <laughs> I don't think so." <laughs> You know, it's like he was the original OG Jew that was like, what the fuck? And that, I'm not comparing myself to a prophet, but I'm just saying, like, right. that's what Jews are supposed to do. Like Lenny Bruce. Everyone was like, shut up, Lenny Bruce. What are you saying? You're saying all the shit that we're thinking but would never say out loud. Right. And that's why he was amazing. Now, I'm not comparing myself to Lenny Bruce. Or Abraham, right? <laughs> I love how your Abraham sounds like Larry David. <laughs> I, I don't care for idols. so the chutzpah doing the chutzpah web series didn't do anything spiritually for you i mean it opened me up to like judaism but i think i yeah i mean i think it started me on the path but i don't think the path like the, the fellowship was two years to make the film i mean it's i think it's like a lifelong thing so I think it just builds on each other. But I'm really not just saying this because they're not fucking paying me anymore. Uh-huh. But I really do feel very Jewish. More because After, of that? Yes. Well, I mean, especially going to Israel, I just feel like there's there's a lot of Jews I don't like. A lot of Jews I don't like. A lot of Jewish pol- politics I don't like. But I like when it's just like me alone in a room. I'm like, yeah. Like, I smell myself and I'm like, that's Jew blood. <laughs> <laughs> Like when I make oh, films, pure when I make films about <laughs> rape and bulimia, that uh, feels very Jewish. You know, it's funny how like you see, you maybe got a Jewish identity that you didn't have. Like you had a different Jewish identity before that. Yeah, and because it's mine now. It's mine. Before I was going, I was going. How, what does it mean to be Jewish? Okay, I'm looking at all the people. I'm looking at the fucking rabbis driving their Mercedes Benz and mm. Temple, and I'm looking at the boring shit. I'm looking at the patriarchy. I'm like, I don't. This is not. I'm not into this. I don't feel this. I don't feel genuinely anything for this. But then making the series, it was like I could go on dates with Holocaust survivors. I could go to P- Israel and the West Bank. I had all these crazy experiences. You found an even older kind of guy to date. <laughs> 
And I got found a guy with even more baggage. Yeah. Holocaust baggage. Yeah. You can't get that anymore. <laughs> and I feel like I made Judaism. Judaism is whatever the fuck I say it is. You know, all these people are like, what is it? What is the Jewish future? They're worried about the Jewish future. It's like the best thing you can do for the Jewish future is like, let us figure it out. Give us money. <laughs> and then let us figure it out and have an, an autonomous experience with Judaism. Because mm-hmm. I do Jew in a different way. You do Jew in a different way. I'm not worried about the Orthodox. I, and I'm glad you guys exist. I'm sure shit never going to be one. But I think I'm glad that you guys exist. You hold mm-hmm. up your end of the bargain. I'll hold, I'll hold up mine. There's room for everybody. What's the bargain? You know, you do your fucking Shabbos. You'll, uh, you'll always be there. You'll hold down the halachic Judaism. Uh-huh. I have no interest in it, but have those babies. You know, read that Parsha. That's fine. <laughs> no interest in it, really? None at all? Well, if I'm still single in like two years. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do you keep in touch with Mel? Yeah, like we like, well, we're kind of like sexting right now, but we're keeping it like casual. But seriously, have you been in touch? No. He goes, you will never see me again. <laughs> he said that? <laughs> He honestly said that. He goes, you're a terrific girl. You'll never see me again. (laughs) (laughs) You know what he said? He goes, and I didn't even, this was pre-rape bulimia, Jesse. Uh He goes, I got my own grandkids to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) I can't be worrying about anybody else. (laughs) I'm not asking you to worry about me, Mel Brooks. (laughs) I love that. I love that he ends it by saying, and you will never see me again. Uh, how like, ominous yeah. is that? You walk out, you're like, which one of us is going somewhere? <laughs> you're watching out for cars. He told me, he, start, he he gave me dating advice, though. He was like, you date drummers. I was dating a drummer at the time, and he was mm-hmm. like, oh, drummers are good. It's like, even if they have drug problems. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They're good. Because he he's a drummer. Oh, yeah? He said stick with drummers? Yeah. I love that he give you all this advice, and he's like, "Now I'm done with yeah, you for yeah. your, the rest no, of your he life." No, he was like, "That's it." And you know what? He told me. I mean, he told me everything I needed to know. He told. He signed. I have a. He gave me a, a the two thousand year old man. I got it signed too. No, but he like wrote me a note. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you always have to one up me. <laughs> I'm just saying, like he wrote, yeah. like Jesse. He said, "Never mind." The note is, "Never mind." Do do do. I think shut up. Do, 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 go, go, go. Because I was like, what about this? And what about this? And he was like, shut the fuck up and make your work. <laughs> I actually have a four-page letter from him right over there. Yeah, no. He actually just, <laughs> he painted me a portrait of myself oh, using my own menstrual blood. That's funny. He uh, he bought me a ranch up in uh, Malibu and he cleans it We actually every have week. a timeshare. <laughs> I, I have enough people to take care of. <laughs> He didn't say that to you. No. What did he say to you? He, he loves you. He said to me, you'll be over here again. And I've never <laughs> been back. Even worse. At least he told you, you'll you'll never see me again. He gave me false hope. He says, what about Carl Reiner, though? I he said, you you'll guys... be back. Oh, yeah. I love Carl. We, we hit it off really well. Oh, oh that was, that's what you call him, Carl. Oh, yeah. So have uh, you been back over? What am I supposed over? to call him? Carl Reiner? Have you been back over? Oh, I love Carl Reiner. <laughs> you know, when I was hanging out with Carl Reiner... Have you been back over? No. That's well, what I'm saying. It's there not you a, go. They should have just told me what they told you. They're like chicks. They're like, we have to do this again. You're great. I'm like, when's it going to happen again? Is it going to be today? Never. Nope. All right. You ready to look at this philosopher? Oh, yeah. Nietzsche.
It's not Nietzsche. That's the only you one keep, I know. You keep just saying Nietzsche. <laughs> Nietzsche. You're going to be disappointed. The philosopher Alex picked for you is Nassim Nicholas Taleb. And what you have in common is because you're working on a series about bulimia, an often misunderstood topic, Alex said he picked a philosopher of understanding. Interesting. What's his nationality? Nassim Nicholas Taleb. You want to take a guess? Iran. Close, close. Persian. Uh, Lebanese. Lebanese American. Okay. Essayist, scholar, statistician, and risk analyst whose work focuses on problems. He's still alive. He was born in 1960. What? Yeah, this is one of the the few living philosophers. Modern day. He's modern day. Is he single? Um, yeah, and he's into Jewish <laughs> and he's old. He loves bulimia. <laughs> he's old for he's just the right age for you. Oh, this is hilarious. His 2007 book You want to know what it is? The Black Swan. Holy shit. Whoa. Natalie, Natalie Portman, Portman connection. Get the fuck out of my life. Yeah. She's, she's I'm just kidding. I'll see you at Temple, babe. This is so funny. His 2000 book, The Black Swan. That's was weird. Just, yeah, he wrote The Black Swan. Wait, the movie? The book. Oh. <laughs> that was turned into the movie? I guess. I don't know. No, it's got to be the philosophy. It's something different. The Black Swan? Is it a philosophy? I don't know. You pulled the paper away. <laughs> I'm going to look right, it up. Look I'm going to Google it. Look up. See if The Black Swan is based on the book The Black Swan by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Um, it was described as one of the most influential books since World War II. He's a best-selling author. He's been a professor at several universities, currently a distinguished professor of risk engineering at NYU Polytech School of Engineering and co-editor-in-chief of the academic journal Risk and decision analysis. He's also been a practitioner of mathematical finance, a hedge fund manager. Man, this guy's done everything. He even managed a hedge fund. I'm in love. You gotta be. He's a hedge fund manager. That's it. You're hooked up. He's a professor. He's intellectual. And he knows how to deal with money. A derivatives trader. He's currently a scientific advisor. What isn't this guy? At Universa Installments. All right, and the International all right, Monetary Fund. It. Amazing. He's done everything. Love it. Um, did you find it? Yeah, I'm just looking at the Amazon review. I mean, it's a book. Is with it nothing ba- to do with is the movie? Nothing to do with the movie. I mean, there's a black swan on the cover. The impact of the highly probable. Oh, improbable. It's the New York Times bestseller. Wasn't the Black Swan movie about bulimia? No, I mean, she was a ballet dancer who had bulimia, but it was like a small fraction of it. It's all connected. <laughs> I think she was more anorexic. That's crazy. Good job, Alex. You want to hear what Nassim has to say? Oh, hell yeah, Danny. <laughs> Give it to me, Nissy. Uh, Taleb says that we box things that we can never understand into tight but flimsy ideas. For example, we can never understand the concept of dark matter. We can never understand the concept of dark matter. It's a good point. Do yeah. you understand dark? No. no. No idea about dark matter. Is that like a black hole? Um, I don't know. I can't understand it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we think we can boil it down to a math equation, thus doing the real thing a disservice. He calls the falsely compressed view of reality structured randomness 
as opposed to real life randomness. I don't know what that means. Did you get that? He calls the he he calls the falsely compressed view of reality structured randomness as opposed to real life randomness. Yes. What does it mean? That we all have a constructed con- I feel like I'm on mushrooms right now. We all have a constructed consciousness of like we've all said like this is what's brown. This is what's socially acceptable. This is what love means. This is, and like we're all programmed to play that same game. But it's all random what we believe to be good or true or here or real or us or matter or consciousness. I mean, consciousness is like, um, it's, it's not a moral issue. Yeah, no, that's good. I was totally with you. I think. Yeah, that makes sense. He thinks economics is a dangerous thing because it's all oversimplification. Yes. It's trying to guess the patterns of unpredictable money flow. This guy's all about the money. He's all about the money. And hence is based more on guessing than fact. He also argues that physics is flawed because we think we can apply our nice clean math to absolute chaos. I agree with that. I always think, like, how do you apply math to try to understand the universe? It's not all so simple and tied up i don't know i i agree well with that. but there is like science behind everything i don't buy it all that's why i never study physics not that's because i don't understand it i guess so i'm more into like the spiritual um gray areas you know then i'm not a math head well maybe understanding is overrated yeah well, it's like what gets you out. In the, what gets you out of the bed in the morning? Do you get out of the bed being like, I want to figure everything out. I want to figure out the world so that then I can make sense of it. You know, like that's my OCD is like trying to understand everything and my surrounding is in every possible thing that can happen, every possible scenario. And like the most terrifying thing was to be like, I'm like. I could be on the freeway and I'm like, I've, everything is, I've done everything right. I've, I've accounted for every single possible thing, bad thing that could ever happen to me. Or I could go, you know, I could kill people. I could turn around. Someone could kill me. I could lose my sight. My foot could stop working, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, like it is still, there's still a risk. Mm -hmm. It's always a risk. So I think it's just like. So what does get you up out of bed in the morning? Um, waffles. (laughs) Well played. <laughs> the only way to get close to knowledge is to drown yourself in research. You will never understand most things, but at least you'll be in the right direction. Well, you know... Research of what? Is he talking about from science? I guess. I mean, I don't know. This whole thing, is you're never going to understand anything, but you may as well try and you might be... Well, what are you telling me? That doesn't tell me yeah, anything. Why is that a New York Times bestseller? It's like, duh, that's the book. That's what the also, book should be called. Also, Go the Fuck to Sleep was a New York Times bestseller, I don't think. <laughs> now, that was genius. That was art. All right. Well, I don't think it's that big a deal anymore. I mean, he's not really saying anything that isn't that we don't already automatically know. Not in that paragraph, anyway. Is there anything else? Yeah. There's Here's a, here's some... We should call him in. I mean, not, not in maybe that... Maybe we're so dumb right now. Like, maybe we're just going... We're so fucking dumb right now. We're just threatened because we what are... I mean, n- maybe. We definitely <laughs> are. <laughs> but it's like, we're so threatened that we don't understand it, that we're like, we understand it so, we so understand yeah, it. Yeah, it just sucks. <laughs> it's not us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you want to read a paragraph? Yes. Okay. 
One cannot assert authority by accepting one's own fallibility. Simply people need to be blinded by knowledge. We are made to follow leaders who can gather people together because the advantages of being in groups trumps the disadvantages of being alone. It has been more profitable for us to bind together in the wrong direction than to be alone in the right one. Those who have followed the assertive idiot rather than the introspective wise person have passed us some of their, ge- some of their genes. This is apparent from a social pathology. Psychopaths rally followers. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, people will get behind whatever is more like exciting rather than whatever is more true. I well, think. I mean, I just love what he says in general about just like the, the the past showed us like being alone is harder. That doesn't work. So we have to stick together. You're just saying that as an alone person, you're like. <laughs> Back to me being single. You're like, it is tough being alone. No. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You know who was alone? Me and Prophets. Okay. <laughs> Me and Abraham. <laughs> I mean, I'm not comparing myself to Heschel. But I feel like that is you're always alone. We're always alone. So we can be in groups and we need and I feel like especially Judaism is like aggressively into being in groups and always like being together and the sitting and mm-hmm. the eating and the community and da da da. Um but I do feel like a lot of times that can kind of bring um, you know, followers and people to just blindly be wanting to be a part of something just so that they don't have to think for themselves, you know? Right. What if I stayed and was like, you know what? You know what the world wants to see? They want to see like funny, happy girls. They don't want to see bulimia, you know? Then where would we be? Oh, I have something as a vagina person. Go ahead. So I read this New York Times article while I was listening to This American Life <laughs> and reading The New Yorker. And also, I read The New Yorker coffee. and The New York Times yeah. like to get because I just I get bored if it's just one. Right, of um, course. So I was reading this New York <laughs> Times article and it was talking about how um, basically, back in the day when we were in the hunter-gatherer state, women, I mean, men were the hunters and gatherers, and women uh, were part of the group, and they nurtured, and they took care of the group. And that if you were a woman and you were kicked out of the group, you wouldn't have any food, so you would die. So somewhere, I mean, he's talking about the genes, and we have the genes of followers. Women have the genes. Somewhere in my brain is a synapse that says, if you are not liked, you will die. And I really relate to that. Hmm. No, that's I, I'm I'm processing it. Yeah, I'm I'm you think paraphrasing all women, the paraphrasing. I think I think that's probably true of all women. <laughs> Hashtag all. Women. Yes, all women. <laughs> right. Oh Jesus! Is that don't no, you think? No, women, you don't think so? No, not all women or women. I people but, that identify as women, but for me, I just know that I'm like, why is it when somebody doesn't like me, it's like completely unacceptable? Don't you think women are more interested in in like? Does everybody like me than men? Um, I repeat, I know from my experience. And does your experience show that other women that you met also are like this? More, um, than, more so than men. I don't know. I don't know how that's helpful, Danny. I, I feel mean, like you're, you're, you have like feminist code that you can't break right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to speak for all women. What do you right. mean? Aren't you a feminist, Danny? Um, I wouldn't label myself orthodox or feminist or any of these things. Do you believe men and women should be equal? Um, when? In uh, life and work and the home and being human beings. Yeah, I guess so. That should be. So you're a feminist. Yeah, but I feel like you have like a different like 
You have like a stronger feminist thing than. And you like clench your fist. Like, like you're like, I am a yeah. feminist. I am a woman. I will roar and all that stuff. Like, and I'm just like. But only if it's okay with you, Danny. Yeah. But only if I look confused. I want to be a feminist, but only if you guys, every guy still wants to fuck me. You know, that's <laughs> first and foremost. Right, right. I'm a fuckable feminist. So feminist is like, women make 70 cents on the dollar, right? Is that I mean, the I thing? Know. I freelance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we're trying to get it up, the, the money. Yeah, we're trying to get it equal. That's that's the feminist. Like, what happens if equal pay is feminism over then? No. Oh my God. No, we got abortion. We got sexual assaults. Um, we have stuff in the home, home shit, children, childcare, home shit. <laughs> <laughs> like I always feel like for 30 cents we could end feminism that's a great bumper sticker <laughs> I think guys would get on board with that they'd be yeah. like for no. 30 cents <laughs> we will shut up we will shut women up for 30 cents <laughs> <laughs> guys would definitely give that's, the, the, that's, the, very that's how you get equal pay that's very true <laughs> Jesse you ready to read the quotes yeah Danny, I am so ready to read these quotes. All right, calm down. <laughs> we we humans facing limits of knowledge and things we do not observe, the unseen and the unknown, resolve the tension by squeezing life and the world into crisp commoditized commoditized ideas. That's like totally makes sense to me. Yeah, we're just trying to like simplify everything. No, but we just don't know how. There's so much that we don't know. There's so much parts of our brain that we're not using, and the parts that we do know. I mean, that's like the basis of all fear and anxiety. Is like, what is all the shit that's going to happen that I don't even know about? Right. What's that quote that's like, "I've had incredible tragedy in my life. Um, Most of it's never actually happened." Is that one of your quotes? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've never been raped or thrown up in my life. I'm not even Jewish. What a sociopath you would be if it turned out that none of that happened. That would be so funny. That would be actually genius. Um, yeah, you might actually – they might celebrate your work even more. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's just – that to me – I mean, once again, that goes back to the bulimia. If I can just get it back to these really simple ideas of like fat and thin, good and bad – Life is very manageable and easy to understand. So how long- A guy breaks up with me and I'm like, it's because I'm fat. I don't get that job. It's like, it's because I'm a bad person. I mean, it's very easy for me to uh, to live life like that. Mm-hmm. Now it's fucking insane because now it's like, well, what? Now I can't explain anything. Well, how long have you not been throwing up for? Three years. So you ended bulimia three years ago? Uh-huh. How did you end it? Um, I got into lots of different recovery stuff in LA and I think a lot of people are like LA is so fucked up and LA is so crazy, but I think LA has so much recovery here because it needs to for people to survive. Everybody fucked up from around the country comes here exactly. to try and be a star. Exactly. With all their addictions <laughs> yeah. and mommy issues. And it's a great, it's a great place to recover. I mean, I lived in New York too and it's like, I just, I can't drink, get drunk every night. It's just a different lifestyle. New York is where to fall apart. Yeah, exactly. In New, York, New York is where to get the material. But actually, that's not true. LA is too. But I do like a lot of shit. Like I do therapy. I do cognitive behavioral therapy. I do support groups. I do yoga and do shit. Do you do primal scream therapy? 
What's that? It's where you just scream. Ah! You just <laughs> like that. Would be no, just, but I punched. Ah! <laughs> I punched a pillow the other day and I strained my back. So all right, that counts. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. I had to go to a chiropractor. Why did you strain your back? I was like, oh, I was just. <laughs> I was like lying. <laughs> just you know, boyfriend. My Kickstarter video <laughs> didn't get enough hits. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> Any more quotes? Is there one? There should be one more, right? Yeah. Categorizing is necessary for humans, but it becomes pathological when the category is seen as definitive, preventing people from considering the fuzziness of boundaries, let alone revising their categories. He said the B word. Boundaries. (laughs) See, I don't know. This, that kind of shit pisses me off. Why? Because it's just like, what are boundaries? I don't know. Just this is why I hate philosophy and theory. It's just like, here's the, the, here's what you're doing wrong. Let me enlighten you. Like, fuck you. I'll enlighten you, essay. I think you just don't like anyone giving you advice. <laughs> Philosophers are like enemy number one. <laughs> well, maybe if it was like a woman. Yeah, if know? it was a woman, then you'd be fine. I don't want a man telling me what to do. Yeah, I'm back in the rabbi's office right now. Don't I tell feel me so about judged. boundaries. No, but okay, so boundaries. I don't mean I don't really like I don't really like boundaries. <laughs> well, thank, thanks for being on the show. <laughs> you want to talk about it? Well, what do you? What's your relationship like to boundaries? I don't know about boundaries. <laughs> you know, we're Jews. Jews don't have boundaries. But I feel like a lot of like a lot of times in the way that I talk about stuff or you know people get kind of like off-putting my friend said that i was i was like tapioca put okay it's actually really sad i was at a party and i overheard him talking about me and he was like jesse's like tapioca pudding like you just love it or you just think it's disgusting <laughs> it's <laughs> Never. not bad i love tapioca pudding that's like some people the do. right kind of people like tapioca yeah, right that's the right people like it. yeah so if you're out there mr tapioca <laughs> <laughs> such a great name it's me, Mr. Tapioca. That's how we talk, right? Jesse, I've been looking for you. I see you, Jesse, but I see you. I have no boundaries either. I'm Mr. <laughs> Tapioca. And he tap dances his way over to you. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing like a top hat. <laughs> he's but, old, but so you like, like him, you know? <laughs> but yeah, then you ah, like <laughs> Come on. My name is <laughs> Mel Brooks. <laughs> this was fun. This was mediocre at best. Shut up. <laughs> I'll see you in you, five years. You loved it. Every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. How do we find the film? Um, JesseConweiler.com. J-E-S-S-I-E-K-A-H-N-W-E-I-L-E-R.com. Do you think we accomplished anything here? <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> our show thank you for tuning in thank you again to my guest jesse beth conweiler again i'm in orlando tomorrow night next week i am in new orleans coming up very soon so check that out the comical yahoo.com to write in itunes please leave a comment and five stars would go a long way and if you're able to donate now would be a wonderful time because i'm living out of a suitcase on the road and i don't have a lot of money and it could help out so go to moderndayphilosophers.net and there is a donate button there make a donation Help a brother out. Come on. Trying to make it here as a comedian. Not rich. Not rich.
free show donate putting it out there all right that's it <laughs> i'm not gonna beg you guys anymore all right have a great weekend everyone and i'll see you next week with another episode of modern day philosophers bye bye